0: This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as F.A. F.A. is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one F.A. member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent F.A. as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about F.A., we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the F.A. program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello, welcome to this qualification meeting. I'm a food addict from Texas, and I'm your leader for the hour. After a moment of silence, will you please join me in the serenity prayer? God, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I'm very grateful to be here, very grateful to have this opportunity to record my story for newcomers. Uh, When I started in the program uh, a little bit over 12 years ago in Texas, we had one meeting a week. And we used the tapes at the time, and subsequently CDs, to get quality recovery, to hear the stories of people who were changing lives and finding a new experience with food and a new experience in life. And these these tapes meant all the world to me. So I'm very grateful to be here. And I'm feeling kind of full, at the same time feeling kind of nervous. Uh, And I was reflecting on this as I was listening uh, a few moments ago to someone else qualify, realizing how much I appreciate that feeling of spiritual fullness that comes from being abstinent and being able to show up. You'll see from some pictures that are going around that I've always been a thin food addict. My story is a little bit different from many people's in that I had no weight to lose. Uh, For much of my life, I was filled with fear, doubt, and insecurity, and my experience of food addiction was one of obsession about my weight, uh, feeling too fat or too thin, obsession about food, and obsession with self. And I found in this program recovery and freedom, and the ability to change. I'll tell you what it was like for me in addiction, what happened to bring me to these rooms and to this incredible fellowship, uh, and what it's like now. My earliest memories are memories really of fear, doubt, and insecurity. I loved food because it took the edge off of life for me, especially sugar. I have vivid memories of putting the spoon in the sugar bowl and eating sugar raw eating sugar cubes, Um, getting really good at lifting the lids off of jars quietly so that my mom couldn't hear me, taking things out, eating them, putting it back, trying to arrange it like no one had taken anything out. Those were habits that I developed from an early age. When I grew a little older, I started getting an allowance. I spent all my money on candy all of it I couldn't I could never save money I also had this unnatural relationship to food that to to this day is so interesting to me because I I remember vividly the candy bars the candy that I would eat it it was it, it was so much more important to me than people when a new item came out at the store I was excited and I couldn't wait to eat it and then I might be terribly disappointed If it didn't quite live up to what my expectations were, and and really that was kind of my cycle with with food is looking to food to fix how I felt. And what I felt was I got the wrong body. I'm too thin. If only I were bigger, then I would feel more confident. So I envied the kids in my class who were heavy, because I thought, well, at least they could throw their weight around, you know, and they'd be good in sports. Uh, but me, look at me. You know, I got screwed. That's how I felt like when they were handing out bodies. I got I got the wrong one, and and I didn't get the manual to go with the body. It's like how do you live in this body in this world? My response was fantasize about life being different. Eat <laughs> uh, to take the pressure off, and. Close my eyes and kind of hope it'll all change and go away somehow. Uh, I, I wasn't engaged. I had a feeling like life was, was a big beach party, and I was on the outskirts, kind of looking in, wondering, how do I play? How, how, do, I, how do you do that? So I, I, I felt lost. And I also felt like I had to just muscle up and show up. I was the oldest of three kids, my father was a clergyman. So I was a preacher's kid on the stage, and I learned early on, look good, at least pretend like you look good, even though you feel like crap inside, and kind of make it through life. So making it through church was, I can't wait to see what they have at coffee hour. Um, That's where I'd be thinking, and rushing there to eat it. Making it through school can't wait till it's over hadn't even started yet and I already had a feeling like I can't wait till it's over because I didn't know how to deal with peers I, I didn't have a lot of solid social skills. Uh, I was a, an isolator was kind of intellectual and I felt thin and weak and like how is this ever going to change so I'd have a hard day come home from school Mom asked How'd you, how you how's your day Fine and go right to the food and that would start the afternoon cycle going from the pantry to the fridge to the television sitting on the couch watching TV back again commercial break just going back and forth and that, that really is the story of food addiction for me is looking for the food that would make me feel better and food did it you know food would make me feel better for a while And then it would stop working, and then I'd have to go find something else. So be sweet, salty. It could be food that I eat today is abstinent food, flour, sugar. I didn't care. I just needed to eat, because eating would keep down all those feelings of fear, doubt, and insecurity. I know those feelings. Uh, I still have them, but they're just feelings today. Uh, I had a moment earlier today where I felt insecure and I got to talk about that with someone I said yeah I'm at this FA business convention and I'm feeling like I should remember everyone's name and God forbid that I forget somebody's name and oh there's so many people and what? <sighs> and I got to just talk about it and go yeah it's it's that addictive part of my nature that is always present and reminds me that I'm in recovery I'm not cured and I have many, many such stories, and I might touch on a few uh, in the time that I'm talking. So a few other things I can talk about that illustrate food addiction for me, and especially this addiction with my myself, feeling like if only I changed my body, then everything would be better. Uh, when I was 16, I sent away for the Charles Atlas materials. Those of you who... Uh, Our little older generation might recall he was the holder of the world's perfect body. And I thought, if you had the world's perfect body, then you would not feel feared out in security. How would that be possible? I got this ream of materials. They suggested in the instructions, it was 20 minutes twice a day, naked in front of a mirror. I didn't do naked in front of mirrors because I couldn't stand looking at myself. I was filled with self-loathing. I could look at myself really from kind of my, my chin upwards and um, trying to fix hair when I was an adolescent and trying to get everything just right. But I was, I was overwhelmed by that. Nonetheless, I tried it. I thought, great, I, this is going to do it. I lasted about six weeks, and I learned, oh, damn, it takes effort. It, it, and then I would pick it up again, try it, I kind of liked it because it was a whole set of exercises that I could do obsessively during the day. You know, you didn't have to know that I was exercising. I could be sitting in a chair and flexing muscles. <laughs> it, it was perfect for someone like me that was obsessive. But I also am an addict. And as an addict, I'm really good at starting things, not so good at sustaining them. So that's also a, a long-term pattern for me. Get excited about an idea, great, this is going to do it. Throw a lot of energy, gusto into it, run out of steam, hit a roadblock, and that wasn't it. So, that was age 16, I kind of gave up, Um, I went to college, Uh, during college I served as a camp counselor and I had an experience there that reminded me years later, oh, I'm a food addict. Uh, I was paid at the end of my summer as a camp counselor uh, at a boys camp and the director came to me and said I owed her $25. That was a lot of money back then, I had—I had I think I was supposed to earn $550. That was all spent on food. Food and liquor. And I, I just drank, I ate with abandon, and to this day I remember the camp store. <laughs> I remember the food. I remember exactly the items that I would get. It was all eaten up. You know, that was supposed to be money for college, and I was put in you know, this position of, oh, crap, what do I do now? i got to ask my dad for help, and I felt ashamed and embarrassed, and it wasn't the last time either. So I, I did go to college. Uh, I went on to, to graduate school. You know, My relationship to food was I ate anything and everything. Uh, I had a high metabolism, so I could put away the food in mean, huge amounts. I never gained weight. And I think the reason was, I was so filled with fear, doubt, and insecurity, my hands sweat all the time. I was nervous. If I, if I thought I was going to have to shake someone's hand, I'd start feeling f- scared about it five minutes before. Be obsessively rubbing my hands. Oh my God, what if my hands are sweaty? Um, I couldn't speak freely. I, I screened everything I was going to say, usually two and three times before saying it to make sure I didn't say something stupid. Because I was always obsessed with what everyone was thinking about me. I couldn't walk through large hallways, you know, big open spaces, because I was sure you were all going to be looking at me. If people were laughing, I was sure you were laughing at me. And this is the kind of disease that I have, is my world got really small. And my only reaction was work harder to muscle through it. In graduate school, I I finally decided I'm going to the gym, and I was going to go to the gym, and this was going to be it. I was going to change my body, and my weight uh, up to that point had been high 130s, low 140s. I'm six feet tall, so I'm I'm a thin thin guy. I began working out obsessively for two years. Uh, I went to the local Y. I... I lied to get a a cheaper membership. I said I was married to one of my friends, and and I didn't think anything about it. Like, yeah, it was just how I operated. If the rules could be changed to my benefit, yeah, so what? I worked out every day for uh, one day off a week for two years, Uh, weights, shooting baskets, swimming, and my weight went up. I weighed myself every day when I worked out. I weighed before the workout, And I would wait after the workout because I wanted to see the weight go up. Most people come to this program, they're trying to get the weight down. I was going the opposite direction. After two years, I had a moment, and I'll never forget this, where I stood on the scale at the end of the workout, and I weighed 165 pounds. This was a a moment for me. Like, yes! But it was that short-lived because the next thought in my mind was, can't wait for 175. And then the next thought, what about 185? I won't ever feel feared out in security again. (laughs) And what happened is, I moved abroad. I couldn't work out obsessively. And my weight went back down to the 140s. And I remember being in a dorm room, cursing God out loud big jerk you know I used more colorful language but it's not fair you know I worked so hard and it was taken away and I felt like look I put in two years of effort to get there don't I get to coast and I didn't and I spent the next 12 years trying to get back to 165 pounds and I could never do it. I would work out. I'd get over eager, impatient. I'd put too much weight um, on, and and I'd injure myself, usually my neck. And I'd have to stop. I didn't know what to do except keep trying. It's really that, thats all I knew how to do. It, all during this time. I saw my disease progress in other ways. I would have moments where I'd be at the weight I am today, which is about 155, and I would think, God, I'm fat, look, look, you know, I can pinch two inches, three maybe, five minutes later, I could think, I could see myself in a mirror, go, man, I'm really thin, Oh, I, I got to start working out again. I need supplements. Um, I need to oh, cut out the you know there was always something going on in my head about food or weight. Um, and it wrapped itself in, in crazy ways around my food choices. I ate organics for a long period of time. natural sugars. Refined sugar was evil, somehow. I got this idea. Refined sugar, white sugar, nasty. Anything else was great. Um, low fat, no fat. I thought, oh, I can't have anything fat. Because the worst thing for me was if I felt like if I if I really was fat, if I looked fat, then you could see that I, I had issues. And I wanted to fly under the radar. I, di- I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be noticed. Not in that way. So I, I felt trapped, you know, perpetually trapped in, in, I I just kept turning to the food for some kind of relief. So I'd still sit down, polish off whole bags. Uh, I'd start food, and I couldn't stop eating. I had a relationship with food that that kept developing. Uh, These were years that I had gotten into uh, recovery programs, for addiction in my family of origin, I began to get some some relief uh, in many areas of my life and i 'm incredibly grateful uh, for those programs. But those programs one, I never got a sponsor. I was always just doing it myself, so it was, i didn 't follow the rules because i didn 't typically follow rules you know I i followed the rules that made sense to me, so you know th- you hear this the phrase "Take what you like, leave the rest like i don 't like the fifth step <laughs> i 'm not going to do that one. <laughs> Uh, Or the fourth step for that matter. Or sponsors, I I don't like that. I can sponsor myself. And I remember saying that very clearly. Who knows me better than me? I'm the best sponsor for myself. And so, you know, I just kind of went off on a path of seeking relief and looking at recovery programs as a series of self-help programs. All about improving me. I never sponsored anyone. I mean, I, I felt I was too important. You know, I've, look, I need to be working out. You know, I need to be learning German or I, I don't know. I mean, I always felt like there was something else I needed to be doing to improve myself. And the last thing I needed to do was waste time helping people. You know, that, that's my addiction. Uh, and I was in the grips of it. During this period, I had some physical problems going on. I didn't have a sense of taste or smell that didn't stop me from eating I, I kept eating I hated being hungry I mean to me being hungry equals death you know that's how it felt so I was mostly a grazer I didn't do a lot of quantities although I I could give me an opportunity and I'd I'd be there at the table with the uh, with the big boys and and gals and you know I I'd, I'd participate but most of the time I just grazed I reached for food I kept my mouth busy um, I chewed lots of gum. I ate crunchy foods if I was angry. Uh, you know, I came from a family where we never expressed how angry we were. We just ate crunchy things, and and loudly, and in, in isolation. So uh, these were just the ways I tried to cope. And food always seemed to be at the center of it. Going shopping, I go to the grocery store obsessively, read labels, calories, sugars. I was always trying to make sense of this, and I I really couldn't find any answers again except work harder, keep trying, maybe you'll figure it out. I didn't do diets, I tried one diet once for health reasons, something about fruit only in the morning, and I I just got bored, I stopped, I, I tried a master cleanser once, I lasted four hours that was it because it was too I was too hungry I thought this is crazy I'm not gonna go without food because I couldn't go without food after I got married and um, I got married at age 39 and still married to a uh, lovely wife who, who helped me come to this program I'll mention that in a moment I we had a lovely honeymoon And I was journaling at the time. I journaled about the food that we ate. Every meal I I was describing in loving detail. That's what I did. I had this other relationship on the side. When I traveled for work, the first thing I did was pick up the restaurant guide. My job was paying for it, so I would go out and I'd eat these wonderful meals. And I'd call my wife and I'd describe them to her uh, in, in incredible detail because I had a relationship with food. I didn't have what you know I've heard about here, neutrality. And I had to eat. The other physical problem was I had what I thought was called spastic esophagus. And that's where food would get lodged in, in my throat. And it was really painful, really painful. And, and there's probably some genetic predisposition. I would eat. Food would get lodged in my throat, especially if I were with other people. I will go back. Microphone malfunction. So anyway, I would, I would eat. Food would get lodged in my throat. I would feel embarrassed. I'd have to go to the restroom, try and make myself throw up, because that was the only way it could got, or jump up and down and try and force it down, hope no one would see me come back to the table have red eyes pretend that nothing was happening this stopped when I came into this program because I was eating too fast I was eating out of desperation I wasn't even allowing myself to swallow one bite before I'd be reaching for the next bite because I felt compelled to put the food in my mouth. It was a miracle for me, frankly, when that was removed, when I started eating in this program. And the times that it comes up for me, again, I know I'm eating too fast, and I need to slow down. So what happened is my wife started this program, and she came to me and said she'd actually already gone to a meeting. That was wise on her part because I might have talked her out of it. Because <laughs> she was my eating buddy. We we sat in front of the television, we ate. Um, you know I I felt like, you know, we ate pretty healthy, but but uh, you know, if, if it said healthy on it, I'd eat it all. You know, I'd eat packages, organics, you know, I just I still was enslaved to the food. And she started going to this program and she saw something at these meetings that was different than what she'd experienced before. So I said, okay, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll give this a try. And I remember going into this meeting. It was in a friend's apartment. And I was really amazed. I was amazed because I knew two people in, in the meeting. And I had known them before and they were different now. One, they looked good. And that appealed to my vanity. I, I felt like Hey, maybe I can look like them. Maybe I can have that perfect body if I just go to this program. You know, it takes what it takes to get her. So that was enough to hook me. But they also talked about a relationship with God like they had one. <laughs> you know, I knew the theory of relationship with God. I could give you the theory. I memorized memorize the steps. You know, I, I could talk a good talk, but I didn't have the walk. So that was enough to, to keep me coming. So I started this program, and I started typically the way I had always started things. I finagled a food plan out of my wife's sponsor, because um, I didn't need a sponsor. I mean, I, I, I saw my weight um, start going down, and I began to get elated, like a real high. Like, and I remember getting down to 148 and thinking, I'm turning back the clock of time here. I was 42 at the time, and I thought, ooh, I'm feeling like I'm 18. Then I realized, that's not a good thing when you're 42. You kind of need to look look appropriate for your age. So I surrendered, and I, I made phone calls, and I got a sponsor. It, it It meant making 10 calls, I think, to people I didn't know, and leaving messages, and just trusting that I would be led to the right person I was sure the right person would be in San Francisco it turned out my sponsor was in Vermont so I had to just from the very beginning say "All right, God whatever your plan is and I heard that a lot early in this program Um, trust God ask God for guidance I didn't like that I wanted a rule book and I wanted I wanted everything to be laid out really clear and consistent. I wanted everyone to eat the same food. This, you know, I wanted, I, I wanted control. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to go to the FA website and type in a food and have it come back good, like thumbs up or <laughs> thumbs down. You know, and that's what I wanted, because um, I didn't want to deal with a sponsor. Ultimately, I still wanted to manage my own stuff. And what I heard was, no, it doesn't work that way. You, you actually, you get a sponsor, and you ask for willingness to follow the sponsor's suggestions. And it was very humbling for me to do that, because I was 42 years old. I, I had a, you know, several degrees, and I felt like, no, shouldn't I be able to figure this out? But the people in, in the rooms had something that I wanted, and I noticed they were doing this. They had sponsors, and they were talking to sponsors in the morning. So I began this process of putting food on a scale and cooking. I didn't cook. I mean, I opened packages, I put them in microwaves. I ate standing up. I didn't eat a whole lot of vegetables, I didn't really do a lot of salads. And I was suddenly eating a lot of food. And I came in, by the time I got that sponsor, I was was underweight. I had to start with a full food plan. And it felt like a ton of food. And I remember eating with my wife, saying, I'm gonna get fat. There's, you know, this is gonna kill me, eating all this food. Remarkably, I didn't. You know, I felt full. And I was able to show up. You know For people who are just starting this program, I will say, you know my experience of the first six to eight weeks was it was kind of challenging. Uh, even simple things, like putting food on the scale, weighing food, I remember getting so frustrated that I'd get like 8.1, 7.9. 8.2 I, I just like I, everything seemed hard and I heard it will get easier trust it let go and it did I was convinced when I started that I would probably get fired from my job because I, what was I gonna do when I hit a roadblock at work my response to roadblocks was eat grabbed something. Right before this program, I was using hard candy, calling it breath mints, and stuffing my pockets full of them before going to work. And if, heaven forbid, I forgot that day, then I'd have to go steal some from the training room downstairs of another company. I didn't care. You know, it's like they had the ones I wanted. And if my grocery store was out of the ones I wanted, I'd go to the next grocery store because I had to have that stuff. Now I was given this opportunity to say, what's it like to show up for work having had breakfast? And then you work. And when it's time for lunch, you eat lunch. And you work some more. It's time to go home. You go home. You eat dinner. Lo and behold, I didn't faint. I didn't die. I was sure I, I had this image of me being taken out on a stretcher, you know, no snacks. You know. And, it, you know, it just got easier. I had a lot of noise in my head with my sponsor at first. I was sure that this is this program is wrong. I mean, how can you do this program in Thailand? You know, if you know your national dish is a flour product, you know it's just not fair. I mean, I had all this noise. I had certain foods I really wanted. Why couldn't I have them? Um, and the noise started abating again after about six to eight weeks and things began to settle down. I started an AWOL. Um, That was eye-opening for me. I felt like I knew it all. Uh, Look, I'd been in 12-step programs from 1988. Here it was, um, 2002, uh, 14 years in these other programs. I was impatient. Uh, The AWOLs start off with slogans. I remember thinking, get to the steps, you know, come on, I know these slogans. Uh, so here was my invitation. Slow down. Show up. I think it was the, about the 11th step of my first AWOL when I felt like I was finally present <laughs> to that process. And I kept doing them. And I, I keep doing AWOLs uh, to this day. I think it's somewhere six or seven AWOLs. And I do them because that's how I continue to grow spiritually. And I am not cured. I I am still a food addict. I I get the gift of my disease being in remission a day at a time to the extent that I'm willing to do the things that I do. What was suggested to me is the same stuff that I continue to do. I I weigh and measure food. I make three calls a day. Um, I, I call my sponsor. I go to committed meetings. When I was in other 12-step programs, I'd go to a meeting based on how I felt. Which meeting do I feel like today? And then I'd show up a half hour late for an hour meeting. Um, and I, again, I felt like, well, I, rules don't apply to me. I'm important. Here, I keep learning. What's it like to show up to the same meetings, to be consistent, to let people get to know me? Um, I do my readings. I do 30 minutes of quiet time. That, you know, that was a big stretch for me because I thought, all right, 30 minutes, that's 30 minutes. Uh, Time seven, how many minutes is that in a week that I'm losing? I could be doing something else um, and I, yeah, I got to let that go. I started out by counting my 24 hour day reading as part of my 30 minutes of quiet time because I you know I was used to cutting corners. Um, just like I started out, you know, weighing grain, trying to get every last piece on there up to 6.0 and then to 6.1 and then pulling off pieces of grain to get it right down. That's called attachment to food. (laughs) Uh, It's also control. So I keep learning to let go. I come from an experience of Wanting to control everything outside myself so I can feel better inside And I'm reminded again and again. This is an inside-out job To the extent that I can act as if there's a higher power in my life Who wants me to be abstinent today? First and foremost who wants me to be willing to do this program? Can I then begin to experience these other blessings uh, in? in a whole host of areas of my life. The time I've been in this program, um, my father's died, went through a, a decline, went into hospice, and I didn't eat over that. And I was so blessed to be able to talk to other people whose parents had died and to know, wow, I'm connected to them. And I learned connection here uh, in, in these rooms, in this fellowship and then I got to share that experience with someone whose father was in hospice uh, to be of service to pass on what I know from my own experience I've seen my work relationships totally change before this program uh, I was bitter I was isolated I was a director (laughs) I managed people poorly Uh, when I had problems I I remember sometimes praying that people would just Die, you know, just get in a car accident, get out of my life. So I had no skills. I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, I know today I, that's not appropriate. That's not how to live abstinently. I've come to see this program as a way of life. I was willing when I came here to finally just do one program. I'd also done multiple twelve-step programs, usually at the same time with me as the sponsoring myself and i had this gift of willingness to say what if I just did one program and really trusted, really trusted that I'm going to be taken care of by doing the suggestions that my sponsor gives me and by asking the hard question, what's it mean to live abstinently? And that's a question that that I keep coming back to again and again. Living abstinently is, today, it's not just about not eating flour and sugar. That's the easy part. Living abstinently is about, how can I have more freedom, more neutrality uh, around food, less attachment to things having to be my way, More awareness of where my addictive tendencies might be and more willingness to use all the tools of the program to keep recovering. That's the gift of this program for me, is this constant invitation to say, how am I going to grow spiritually today? But it starts with keeping my food clean, with continuing to do the same things today that I did when I started. And that's one of the things that keeps me coming back. I have tremendous gratitude for this program and very grateful to be here today. Please join me in a moment of silence and the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.